0: Ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times cuz you're about to go on a
1: monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Here's your host Chris Voss. Wait, is that me? Hey guys, welcome to the show. <laughs> welcome to the Chris Voss show. The chrisvosshow.com. I always get that thing like it comes up and says, "Here's your amazing host Chris Voss." And I sit there just going, is, who who is it this time anyway guys we have an amazing author on the show and uh, he's got a hot new book that's out we're going to be talking to him about about it in the supreme court or some people call it scotus that's the S- supreme court of the united states i believe is what that stands for or for other people it's just a church <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll get into what that's about and all that good stuff. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. That's what we do on the improv at the beginning of the show. Chris just rambles about something. That's what one of my authors from France, from, I think, Wall Street Journal, in the New York Times called it. He goes, you do a ramble every show. Anyway, you guys know the ramble. Part of the ramble is to refer the show to your friends and family. Sit down with them and, you know, sit down with them and show them that in your will, you've given up all your estate to the Chris Voss show. <laughs> and, uh, And that uh, they're not going to get anything from your estate unless they subscribe to the Chris Voss show. This is a horrible ramble I'm doing at the Improving today. And that if they ever want to receive any inheritance from you, they must subscribe to the Chris Voss show. So tell them to go to YouTube.com for this. Don't do that. Don't do that. Go to YouTube.com for it says Chris Moss. Go to Goodreads.com for it says Chris Moss. Go see the big LinkedIn group, the LinkedIn newsletter, and all that stuff we do on LinkedIn. Go see us on TikTok. We're trying to get cool over there. Not sure it's working, but we're getting a few thousand views. You know, maybe we'll get cool. Maybe we won't. I don't know. Oh, one thing I do want to make an announcement. I'm told that this morning we should have Gordon Sondland booked on the show. His new book coming out October 25th, The Envoy, Mastering the Art of Diplomacy with Trump and the World. You remember Gordon, he was the ambassador to the European Union who testified at the Trump thing, and he's written a book, and it's going to be a tell-all, so it'll be interesting to have him on the show as well. But last but not least, or first but not least, because he's first on the show, we have an amazing author on the show today. He's the author of the newest book that just came out September 27th. 2022 American crusade how the supreme court is weaponizing religious freedom i've thrown so much energy to be in the show andrew settle is up cedar is on the show with us andrew help me get that last name correct andrew seidel and thank you so much for having me on it's a pleasure Thank you for coming on. Andrew Seidel is on the show with us today. He's going to be talking to us an amazing book. Sometimes I throw so much energy at the beginning of the show, so the brain goes, Woo-hoo, right out the window, which, it, you know, you guys have been here for 13 years. You've seen that movie. Anyway, he is on the show, and it's going to be amazing to talk to him and get some insights, especially what's coming up for the coming election. He is a constitutional and civil rights attorney, the author of two books, The Founding Myth, Why Christian Nationalism is Un-American, and this newest one, American Crusade. He's also co-author of an, or I'm sorry, co-editor of an academic text, Law and Religion Cases and Materials, fifth edition with Professor Leslie Griffin of the UNLV, a Las Vegas law school. He is a senior correspondent at Religion Dispatches, a Prolific author of op eds and scholarly articles. I'm learning to talk today, evidently. He organized and contributed to the groundbreaking report, Christian Nationalism at the January 6, 2021 Insurrection, which is published by the Baptist Joint Committee and FF. RF, which aroused congressional interests. He's appeared on Fox News debate, Bill O'Reilly. I'm going to go watch that. MSNBC <laughs> and hundreds of other media outlets. And he's the VP of Strategic Communications of Americans United for the Separation of Church and State. Largest organization fighting for a founding principle. Remind me to subscribe and oh, yeah. donate. He has a BS in neuroscience and several law degrees, each with honors and awards. And before dedicating his life and law degree to keep keeping state and separate, he was a Grand Canyon tour guide and accomplished nature photographer. I don't know even you know, how you went from there to there. You, you need to explain how you decided to go from. A tour guide, nature photographer, to being an attorney who just sues the fuck out of everyone.
0: <laughs> and that was like my gap year. It was like
1: That's your gap, gap year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was okay. your finding yourself journey uh, right. there. Yeah. There you go. Well, welcome to the show, Andrew. We really appreciate it. And tell us where people can find you on the interwebs. Any dot coms or Twitter handles, whatever you want. I'm andrewlseidel.com,
0: Andrew L. Seidel on all of the socials. And, yeah, please join, subscribe to Americans United for Separation of Church and State, au.org. We need all the support we can get these days. I'm an atheist, so I can probably get behind that, right? Cause oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, really, the separation of state and church is for everybody. Really. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, yeah. it's kind of an important thing. Yeah. In fact, put it's it- the only way to guarantee religious freedom.
1: And, and regardless of what Boebert says, it's in the Constitution, actually. So, in uh, the founding fathers, you know, I, I'm a, I, even as an atheist, I'm for people. If you've they, they, if you want religion to go through your life, just keep it off my lawn, man. Don't wave it in my face. So, what motivated you want to write this second book on this topic? Well, I've, I've been watching the Supreme Court for a decade and I've
0: been watching it pervert religious freedom because religious freedom has long been this, this shield, right? This, this hallowed protection against an overreaching government, the minority is protection against the tyranny of the majority, and that's not true anymore. Hmm. And it's not true anymore because of this Supreme Court and because there's this, this well-funded and powerful network of Christian nationalist organizations and judges. I mean we're talking like, <coughs> know, society yeah a huge part of it, right? You know, spent 500 million dollars hacking our courts. And one of the things they're working to do is to weaponize the First Amendment. And I mean that I mean that quite literally, they're trying to turn that protection of religious freedom enjoyed by all into a weapon of supremacy and power and privilege for the chosen few.
1: Mm. And I'm not one of them. Damn it.
0: You're not one of them, no. unless you unless you are a conservative white Christian dude. You're not going to benefit from this crusade. So,
1: Damn it! I need to join a new club. This atheist club isn't working out. There's no money in it. So, give us an overview of the book. What goes into it, and in just kind of a bird's eye view, if you would. Yeah. So the these crusaders are litigating the legal meaning of religious
0: freedom in as a constitutional right in case after case, and in mm-hmm. the process, they're redefining that protection and. They bring cases that we are told and that superficially seem to be about a Christian cross or about the surface of a kid's playground or about or private school vouchers or a gay yeah. wedding cake. Yeah. Or yeah. a coach that just wants to pray. But, but really, they're about supremacy and power. They're literally about privileging the right air quotes, kind of conservative Christian over everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so I tell the story of this decades long campaign to forge this weapon in american crusade and i i genuinely do not think you can understand what is happening in this country right now from our politics to our culture to our courts
1: to our law without
0: understanding this attack
1: and go ahead hi folks Chris Foss here with a little station break hope you're enjoying the show so far we'll resume here in a second uh i'd like to invite you to come to my coaching speaking and training courses website, you can also see our new podcast over there at ChrisVossLeadershipInstitute.com. Over there, you can find all the different stuff that we do for speaking engagements, if you'd like to hire me, uh, training courses that we offer, and coaching for leadership, management, entrepreneurism, uh, podcasting, corporate stuff. Uh, with over 35 years of experience in business and running companies as a CEO, uh, I think I can offer a wonderful breadth of information information and knowledge to you or anyone that you want to invite me to for your company. Thanks for tuning in. We certainly appreciate you listening to the show and be sure to check out Chris Voss, leadership Now back to the show and this is why i love books like yours and authors like yourself that that write these books because a lot of people don't understand they they just think that one day you know scotus got up and decided to overturn roe versus wade that's the age yeah. we're living in if you're watching this 10 years from now and we have an election coming up that's that's going to be a fight over the house and senate but you know people don't realize like you mentioned and we talk about in the book this is a decades-long thing this is mm-hmm. 40 50 60 years in, in the making of trying to do this i think I thought it was interesting and probably appropriate that you the word use the words crusade and crusaders. Oh, yeah. why, why did what motivates you to use those that language? I mean, it really is a religious crusade. I mean, they're they're
0: not seeking to conquer land, but they are seeking mm-hmm. to conquer our constitution oh. and remake it in their image. I mean, really, what they are trying to do is fashion. America as a Christian nation, that nation that it was not founded as, which that's the subject of my first book, but which they want it to be. And so, I mean, that that phrase was chosen deliberately. And, you know, in each. So I discuss one of the cases in each chapter of the book. And then I, I introduce you to the crusader groups that make up this network as we as. They litigate the other sides of these cases, right? And usually the group was started by a white Christian man, often with really? early race, yep, yep, early racist True. and <laughs> you know homophobic leanings. Really? Yeah, oh yeah, wow. yeah. You know, sometimes they have early ties to James Dobson. People might know his name. Oh well. yeah. Anti-LGBTQ white Christian with early racist and eugenics leanings. So that's weird how that all
1: it's they're all the same that way. I don't know what's going on there.
0: Like Koch brothers, seed money is pretty Uh typical. Cash infusions from the DeVos empire also typical. Mm. So and really, I I mean, the key for me was I like I have lived these cases. This fight has been my whole career, right? I've, I've litigated some of them. I've briefed others. I have been on the front lines defending our country from this assault. And so American crusade tells the the true stories behind these Supreme court cases. And it it draws back the curtain on this assault and ties it all together because, you know, I think too often we treat these cases as just a one-off, not realizing that they fit into this much larger assault on our democracy.
1: Yeah, And correct me if I'm wrong. Most of these groups that you write of in the book and talk about, they, this has been their, this has been their, this has been their target. Their their bullseye for a long time is to stack the courts, to create enough is tort law the right word to create enough Prec- precedent in law. Yeah. law to where they can and stack enough of these different cases that they can set enough precedent to to where we become a Christian nation. I mean, they just they they got really smart at this. They're like, we don't need to elect uh, you know better HOA managers. We need to elect people in SCOTUS and stuff. And I love the word used crusade you know and and so this is basically another christian crusade <laughs> by blunt force on scotus just without all the murdering at least so far at least so far yeah still- I, I, I mean you know i think there's two important points to note on
0: that first is that yes they did pack the courts and now these justices are completely allied with the crusade and you can see you can see and this is a this is a through line in, in the book, they are eager and ready to take these cases. They want to hear these cases. You know, the Supreme Court typically rejects between like 97 and 99% of the cases that come its way,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but it decides almost every religious freedom case that comes its way and decide them in favor of conservative Christianity. And, and really, yeah. I mean, the, the inescapable fact is that this Supreme Court wants to decide these cases. And, and the second the second thing that I think is so important, which you mentioned, is that, and this is one of the harder truths that American Crusades, at least a harder truth for a lot of people, is that these ultra-conservative justices are crusaders, too. And, mm-hmm. and that is why they were put on the court. So, you know, you, you've jokingly invoked the Federalist Society earlier. You know, I mean, Leonard Leo, who ran the Federalist Society, is universally recognized as the guy who orchestrated the hostile takeover of the Supreme Court. And... Mm-hmm. A former, I have a quote in the book about a, from a former employee who described Leo's mission like this: "Quote, he figured out 20 years ago that conservatives had lost the culture war. Abortion, gay rights, contraception, conservatives didn't have a chance if public opinion prevailed. So they needed
1: to stack the courts, mm-hmm.
0: and yeah, that's, think- so that's that's what so,
1: they did." Yeah. People don't realize, you know, like, basically, for the most part, I think the Federalist Society, you know this better than I do, so this is more of a question, but I think the Federalist Society, I mean, they hand the president, or people like Trump, no. a portfolio of some of the most extremist, you know, conservative, and like you mentioned, crusaders, mm-hmm. that they can put onto the court, and they've been doing this for decades, you know, you see the this the the idiocy of the Florida judge who she was advised by like everybody, including, I think, the 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 body of attorneys to not have her put on as a federal bench. Yeah, um, unqualified. yeah totally unqualified. And you see how much the appellate courts have taken apart her ruling so far probably probably get worse you know you've seen the clarence thomas thing you know he spoke of perverts on the on the on this SCOTUS thing <laughs> clarence thomas <coughs> excuse me sorry i had a cough there and you see what's going on i mean he just recently he he's helping you know give a pass to lindsey i'm gonna say lindsey graham is it lindsey graham do i have the right lindsey i don't know what's going on today where he doesn't have to testify in that uh in the, in the, you know, the, the court case there in Georgia, it's really, it's really getting weird, especially with him and his wife and January 6th and the crazy stuff she was putting out. And, you know, she's trying to convince everybody that like, he has no idea what we're talking about. And it's like, you guys seem to rule the same way though. You guys seem to be on the same side. So, you know, what's going on there? It's crazy. Yeah. So I get into a
0: lot of that in mm-hmm. the book and I already actually have an update available for free as everybody's mm-hmm. bought the book on the website because we're learning more and more about the court and about the corruption at the court, especially as it relates to Janine Clarence Thomas. I, I will say the Lindsey Graham thing is just be too deep to get into the weeds, but that one doesn't bother me as much yet. I, I do think it looks terrible, and I think that's a problem for the court, but the whole court is likely going to weigh in on that one. though. So that's not... <laughs> that's cold comfort, too. You know, I mean, no, like, think about... Think about what Leo's former employee was confessing, right? The, the whole... It was they, they have an anti-democratic mission, hmm. right? Like, if, if if they didn't stack the court, majority would rule. If they didn't stack the court, democracy would work, right? Hmm. They had to figure out a way to enshrine minority rule. And so Leo's groups, the Federalist Society, Judicial Crisis Network, we, we know they spent $540 million packing the court Jeez. from 2014 to 2020. And so that right. – yeah, so that includes blocking Merrick Garland, getting Gorsuch on the court, getting Kavanaugh on the court over credible accusations, then jamming Amy, Amy Coney Barrett in at the last minute, right? Yeah. And this this summer, the news broke that Leo's newest group raised one point six billion. That's billion with a B. Those are the in, guys with the with highest
1: the raised pack ever, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, that, I,
0: but that look—that's look, that's also more than a billion dollars more than they spent capturing the course.
1: Holy crap!
0: Uh, and and the the reason I think this is crucial is because leo leo's job at the federalist society you you mentioned that he was providing portfolios of judges that's correct he he the short lists of judges that trump announced the the names that he announced those were written by leo and leo's job was described for judicial nominees as the quote monitor of the nominee's ideological purity wow right. The, and we know he is responsible for the confirmation of Roberts, Alito, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett. All right, that, that's five votes. Justice Thomas is an old friend of Leo's. There's actually a video from a recent Federalist Society event of them joking on stage about how Leo's the third most powerful man in America. Right? All six wow. of the justices were or are members of the Federalist Society. So, I mean, that's six votes on the Supreme Court. And Leo personally chose five of them for their ideology. And and it's a crusader ideology. That's why they were picked.
1: Yeah, and, and you you see, I mean, Trump. I mean, of all the of all the times to get, I think what was it, four judges he got? Was it three or four? Three, three, and uh, you know, pro- I think probably more judges than I don't know what Clinton or yeah, three and four. Three and four years is a remarkable run.
0: Yeah, really, it's, yeah,
1: it's 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 uh, to get that many judges thrown onto the thing. And of course, as as highly embraced as he was of the Christian nationalism, you know, what people don't realize is a study when you study fascism or religious history, even when you look at Russia right now, Russia pulls this war off by going to the church, the Russian Orthodoxy, and, and who's a billionaire, too. He's probably got some of his money parked over there from Putin, um, and gets the blessing of the church. And this is how fascism rises. This is how authoritarian rises. The few, you know, religion's been dying off in America for the past 10, 20 years. It took a huge dip with the Gen Zers. And they're they, they they're trying to do a clawback. And they figure out the best way to do it is to stack the court, take the court. And, you know, now they're trying to steal elections. So I mean, it's, it's just, yeah, a death by a thousand cuts. Well, you're, and you're, you're absolutely right. This is one of the things that I really wanted to
0: answer in American Crusade, too, because I wanted to answer why. Mm-hmm. Why the crusade? Why are Christian nationalists seeking this weapon? And, and you're right. I mean, for, it's, it's largely a backlash against equality realized and against changing demographics, mm-hmm. right? So conservative, white Christian American status as the dominant group is threatened and it has been for some time. They're they're losing the culture wars, as Leo's former employee admitted. They're they're losing the the deference which they believe their religion is due. And if you want a really great example of this, go listen to Justice Samalito's gloating speech that he gave at a Religious Freedom Forum in Rome in July, which was just after he overturned Roe v.ersus Wade. It's all about how his religion is not being given the deference it's due. Wow. And and, and, and we know we know. That when the dominant group or caste in a society feels threatened or left behind by circumstances, that it reacts or, or overreacts by seeking a way to retain that status. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that is why we are seeing them turn to Christian nationalism and turn to violent insurrection to overthrow a free and fair election, turning to these so-called strongmen. But it's also why we are seeing them weaponize religious freedom at the Supreme Court.
1: Yeah. And it always ends in violence. It's violence. It's power seized by violence. You know, I mean, you can go back to every, every fascist authoritarian rule and, and then violence to stay in power, you know, and that's why we're seeing, you know, all this language. I mean, people don't realize this, what's going on, but there's all this language that comes out from these right wing politicians and even like news people on Fox, and you know there's talking about violence and seizing violence and you know this this sort of Russian language that they use with the where they go those people are pedophiles, they're eating babies they're killing babies it gives them it gives them oh well, if they're killing babies when we have a right to to react by violence and it's all a pattern of history if you study what's gone on in history with the rise of fascism and authoritarianism it's it's all seated in this right-wing religion where usually i think ruth ruth Ben gate wrote we've had her on the show she wrote the book strongman talked about how all of these leaders rise in profile and they rise with religious white nationalism taking back seizing power again
0: it's it's a huge part of it. I, you know, my first book, The Founding Myth, Why Christian Nationalism is Un-American, you know, I, I look at the previous waves of Christian nationalism that our country has endured. Because Trump, one of the best predictors, probably the best predictor of a Trump voter in 2016 was whether or not that person believed the United States was founded as a Christian nation. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and that's basically the definition of Christian nationalism. That was the best indicator of a Trump voter in that election. And he, he successfully tapped into this undercurrent of Christian nationalism that, that had not risen to the surface, but which he then brought forth. But we'd seen previous waves throughout our history, and it was during times of fear and strife, but violence, like during the 1950s, the Red Scare. I have a chapter on that in the founding myths in the lead up to the Civil War. And during the Civil War itself, we saw a, a, a small wave rise up in 1863 and 1864. And that's when you get things like In God We Trust added to our coinage for the first time. And then in the 1950s, you get all kinds of stuff like the National Day of Prayer, In God We Trust put on paper money, Under God added to the Pledge of Allegiance, all, all this stuff. What, what is really happening? Is what you're talking about? Christian nationalists taking advantage of these times of national national fear and crisis to impose their religion on a country that is essentially otherwise preoccupied with surviving
1: a a crisis. And we were talking earlier in the green room about Greg Locke, and you know, I, I watched this. Uh, what's the channel that I subscribe to? Right, right wing watch. Yeah, right. A little wing hard watch. to say without yeah. screwing it up. And and I watch the preachers that are on there. And, you know, they're, they're, they're preaching about violence. They're, they're, they're basically political rallies. Like, I'm not, I'm like, do you guys ever talk about Jesus in that Bible thing? You know, uh, he, there was some stuff there you used to talk about <laughs> and they just look like political rallies now. And you're just like, you get tax free benefits from this. Yeah. This is one of the things
0: I discuss at the end of American crusade is, is how Christian nationalism. And right wing politics are wrapped up in this this feedback loop where it's difficult to know now it's chicken and egg thing you don't know which came first really and you know a really good example it, so I, I mean essentially the religion drives the politics and the politics drives the religion is what I'm saying but you, you can't you can't necessarily tell where each begins a good example though of where you can see the the politics driving it was was during the pandemic right where you have all of a sudden all of these churches and religious groups challenging mask mandates and vaccines. And it, mm. it's not because there was some new scripture discovered, which said, don't get vaccinated or don't wear a mask. It's Jesus not, said that though. I, you know, I, I don't remember that in the attitudes.
1: <laughs> it was and, the, it was the revelations when the okay. beast rises from the thing. Peace <laughs> okay. had a mask on. No, I'm just kidding.
0: But there's nothing new that, that was discovered. it was, <laughs> Trump and the conservative politicians failed miserably in their response to the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so they had to figure out there was this visceral response to it. Well, we we can't let that happen. So you have the politics then driving religion. And then they're claiming, well, I'm made in God's image, so I can't wear a mask, which I mean, it makes (laughs) no sense. You have like you have Catholic schools in the United States challenging these mask mandates and then the Pope, No. It's it's really amazing. So I, I get into some of that in the end of American Crusade. It's more of a sidebar, but
1: it, it's almost like everything is an excuse to create precedent and law to just empower, to strengthen, re- codify religion as more and more of us being nation. It's just amazing to me how many people haven't read the Constitution. Like when <laughs> like when alarm goes running around saying it's not in the Constitution or or the Constitution says. You know there should be no separation of religious and state. You know, I remember one person I read recently. They made a comment on my thing saying, "What was it? the The Constitution isn't the real isn't the real glar code of the United States. It's the Bill of Rights." And you know, they were they were going on about number two about guns and stuff. And you're like, do you understand that the Bill of Rights can't stand without the Constitution? That like the amendments are founded upon the foundation of that thing. Have you read?
0: the constitution lately as a constitutional attorney i can assure you that the amendments actually
1: amend the constitution <laughs> do you understand what an amendment is I mean, wasn't there one of those crazies that also said it couldn't be amended or something and you're yeah. like, no that's what amendments are for That's the, um, yep. yeah you know I, real real quick on the lauren
0: bobert part because i i actually i I, I've heard that argument so many times I got frustrated. You know, separation of church and state isn't even in the Constitution. And if you want the best refutation of that, uh, just Google it and then click on the link that's the au.org link. It's, <laughs> it's, is, separ- is the separation of church and state in the Constitution? Google that and then click on the au.org link. And I, I, it's a very simple refutation. Bookmark it, copy, paste liberally. It, all, it, sh- it shoots it all down.
1: Yeah, I started keeping a copy of it, and I reread the Constitution in 2020 before Biden's election. I was giving out copies for Christmas mm-hmm. in a little booklet. Copies. The one thing I love about all the journals we have on the show is they keep a copy of them with them, mm-hmm. um, and because they 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 understand and honor what that what that document says, and of course the freedom of the press is a very important factor of it. But they 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 you know they hold politicians to their feet. Their their feet to the fire of of uh, you know calling them out and that right that they have to do so and once we lose that right once you can't speak out against religion or religious dominance you know and what's really interesting I don't know if you talk about this in the book but what's really interesting is this isn't religious freedom for all religions either that mm-hmm. these people are up to like they're not like tolerant of, of other religions like mine's going out the window clearly uh, atheist I'll be burned at the stake first and put into the Reconcentration camps for re-doctrinating myself. Oh, I'll be the, I'll be right alongside you there. Too. Will you? Okay. Well, yeah. we're screwed. The and I don't think Jewish people, my good friends in the Jewish community, I don't think Jew, Judaism. It seems like there's they have some toxic attitudes towards Judaism. I think just about anything that isn't white, right, wing. Religious, you know, I've had some authors that have suggested that Amy, or what's her face, the gal from Centers of National Policy, we mentioned her earlier, uh, Betsy, Betsy DeVos. DeVos. Mm-hmm. Betsy DeVos's religion is very what's the what's the word of the guy that she's really subscribed to, and it's not. It's a very violent De- sort of dominionist. Yeah, the dominionist, and who is the guy who's behind that? The Bible guy. I think uh, Rub- Calvinist.
0: Rush- Oh, I mean, yeah, there is a, like, is it Calvinism? I, I thought you were going for Rush is where I thought you were going. But yeah. Be. I mean,
1: that, that guy too, from what I understand. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a, it's a kind of, you know, violent sort of like, we're taking our will. It's not, yeah. it's not something where they're going to be like, okay, so all religions are good now and we're in control and the Bible is the new constitution. It's just going to be whatever their flavor of religion is. No, I mean, you're, you're, you're absolutely right about
0: that. And it's one of the crucial through lines that I tried to bring out in the book because the, the ploy to capture the courts worked. Yeah. And, and we've actually been able to crunch the numbers and, and then the studies that I'm going to give you the data on don't actually count for the last two terms, which were some of the biggest victories for the crusaders. So the numbers are actually more dramatic now than what I'm going to say. But, you know, before John Roberts was put on the Supreme Court, religion won about half the time at the court. And, you know, that's kind of about what you would expect if you were going to guess, you know, how often does religion win in these cases? About Mm -hmm. half the time. But under Roberts, that win rate jumps to 81%. Wow. And and it's not just a pro-religion shift. It is a pro-Christian shift. So in the early courts, mainstream Christianity won 44% of the time. And by the time you get to John Roberts, that nearly doubles to 85% of the time. Wow, so, I mean, it's, it, it it should be plainly stated, right? The Supreme Court has been politicized. It has been packed. It is an extreme Christian wing of the Republican Party, and, and and the new guiding principle of this Supreme Court is not the Constitution or the law, but simply this: Christianity
1: wins. And he tries to play a game with the balance of the quarter or the PR. Aspect of the balance of the court doesn't he? Like he, he, he does. sometimes he's like I'll vote over here and I'll, I'll try and play like I'm the middle guy. Is that you know like he, the perception he's trying to sell? Does that do I have that right? You you
0: do. So the, the I think the way to understand what John Roberts is trying to do is he wants the exact same. Conservative change that all of the other ultra conservatives on the court want. Mm-hmm. But their 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 end goals are exactly the same. The difference is that Roberts understands that to yeah. have those changes stick depends on the legitimacy of the court. So okay. he, what Roberts wants is the slowly boiled frog, and oh. all the other justices are just chomping at the bit because Roberts knows <laughs> like boiling oh, yeah. Exactly, exactly. But but I mean, but Roberts himself is as much a crusader chosen for his ideology as any of the other ones. So, you know, when we have, I, I've got him and I, I talk about this in the books, we have briefs where he's arguing that public schools can impose religion on, on children at graduation ceremonies and that Christian Bible clubs can use public schools to organize. And when he was in the Reagan White House, he supported a constitutional amendment that would allow public schools to impose christian prayer on school children and then he, he there's this memo that he wrote which he, he says we still have an uphill battle to return prayer to schools wow right we battle return prayer to schools right i mean that that is the language of a crusader
1: mm-hmm. yeah it really is it really is it, and uh, you've given me some new light onto him because i've always I've always been a little confused by him where I'm like, is he on? Which side is he on? It seems like, you know, he'll game the PR and, and perception a bit. And then, of course, he'll try and, you know, present the court as being. But it it seems like almost Clarence Thomas and maybe some of the other guys have kind of like for a while there, he was like, oh, I keep everyone corralled and I keep us everything legitimate. Everything's above board. That kind of seems like even Clarence Thomas, like, fuck it. We're doing whatever we want. Screw this guy. We're going. And,
0: that, and that's where we are now. That's because like he as the chief justice, he had a little bit more power and was able to do a little bit of the pumping the brakes. But now that there are five votes for the conservative change, we're going to check every item off the wish list. He can't stop them.
1: Wow so it's just a fight over the power of the train and you know he's kind of going like we should just move slow and boil the fog slowly and everyone's yeah. just like nah just throw that whole wrench that thing we yeah now that now that we're dominant on the on the on the thing so-
0: yeah we have, we have power and by god damn it we're going to use it right i mean they're they're drunk yeah. on that power right yeah. now i mean the, the only question is whether i and this is maybe in the weeds for your listeners but i yeah, he, I think Roberts is very clearly leaning on Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett very hard to try to come around to his way of thinking. So he yeah. may succeed in like convincing one of them to do the slowly boiled frog thing, but otherwise, yeah, things are going to get a lot worse before
1: they get better. Do you, so do you, do you see that coming up then? If, I mean, at this point, I mean, when you look at the long game and this is why, like I said, I appreciate people reading books like yours and what authors like yourself do in shining a light to this. People just think in the moment, like, you know, and and I deal with this on social media. You see people screaming, Oh, men are bad because SCOTUS overturns stuff. It's like, no, you don't understand. You haven't been paying attention and voting for 40 years. And, and this is the result of that, and. The fixing this or balancing the court with people that maybe are more liberal or illiberal, you know, is, is, is going to take time. And if, if, if Biden and the Democrats, I'm a moderate Democrat, full disclosure. If, if, if Biden doesn't take the Senate to where he can actually get judges put on SCOTUS, if there becomes availability, I don't even know what the potential is for availability. If he doesn't get, if he doesn't get the Senate, they're not going to be able to start to try and at least balance the court. One question I have for you: How do you feel about this whole argument of expanding the court? You know, the, I guess when the the court was first established, it oversaw nine different districts. Now there's thirteen. I guess. What do you What do you think about that? And do you have any argument on either side? Yeah. So I mean, first, I
0: I, I think you're absolutely right that people should get over the instant gratification attempts to fix everything in our society right like mm-hmm. they played a long game they captured the highest court in the land you know, it took five decades we're not we're not going to overturn that in a couple days you know we and we also need to by the way shatter the myth that the judicial system is going to fix it for us that mm-hmm. there's a silver bullet for our side we have we have to organize and message in ways that build power in. That's one of the things that American crusade seeks to do. I do get into concrete solutions in the end of the book. None of them are quick or easy. I do offer expanding the Supreme Court as a solution. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I mean, the, the Supreme Court, first of all, has has changed sides seven times in our history. That's by legislation. You know, so that's about every 30, 34 years on average. Mm-hmm. And then it's it's changed size. Other times too, you know, Mitch McConnell changed the size of the court. He dropped it from nine down to eight for an entire four term for 422 days. That's uh, it, Yeah, when it suited his political ends, he was perfectly fine with changing the size of the Supreme Court. Yeah. He had no problem. With it. And then he bumped it back up to nine when it was also suited his political ends. And, and, and to me, like this is the point: the Supreme Court has already been packed. Yeah, that that, that has already happened, and, and they they. They did that not because they just wanted their people in there who are going to make these decisions and do it right, right? They didn't didn't spend that $540 million. They didn't cheat and steal and pack the courts to put their collaborators in place because they would administer justice even-handedly. They did it because... They wouldn't administer justice even handedly. Like, these guys they, were crusaders, as you said. Yeah, they, they know the outcomes. They're in it. So to me, it's the question is like, forget about the fact that like, yes, it's nice that there are 13 circuits. Like they, they did this on purpose to reverse engineer these decisions and, yeah. and they, they stole these seats. Uh, it, that cannot stand. Yeah. And the institute, like I know there are a lot of. The institutionalists uh, mm-hmm. out there who are oh you could never you're politicizing the court. It's already politicized. That's that, true. That, that, that's what that's what they did. <laughs> that's the whole point of what they were doing. Because
1: so, there's some you... people that have said you know if you change the court you're politicizing it or you're you're doing that to yeah. affect the legitimacy and and you you bring a good argument.
0: Yeah, and I, I, it's it's just it fails to recognize where we are at this point. In time yeah. and in how we sense. got here. Yeah. So uh, to me, that is one of the, the solutions. And I, I, it took me a while to get around to that solution, actually, but I'm, I'm, I'm fully on board now. And it's, again, it's not just we should expand it because the courts overworked, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, then Mitch McConnell turns around and says, Oh, well, fine. We'll add four justices. Like we need to expand it to rebalance it and, and punish the people who tried to steal it for political ends so that that does not happen again. This is the way to depoliticize the court to make it not a political football right and and remember the entire our entire constitutional order is based on checks and balances you know we have the three different branches of government and if any one of them gets too out of control too drunk on power it is up to the other two branches in this case congress and the president to check the third branch that is what needs to happen right now i mean the Supreme Court needs to get smacked around politically speaking
1: Yeah, there's been a, I mean, there's a lot of cases you cite cases in your book. There's a lot of cases that have, have made it so that politically they can, you know, citizens united and all sorts of different cases where basically, you know, you can have an oligarchy that buys, buys justices, that buys presidencies, that buys politicians. You know, it's, it's really crazy what's going on. And like you say, it takes time and it's going to take us time to repair this. I mean, even if Biden wanted to expand or the Senate wanted to expand, the court, that that would have to be a law, wouldn't it? Wouldn't we have to pass a law? And then it that would probably go to the Supreme Court to say it was going to pass. Well, so, I mean, that that's one of the reasons
0: I think that it is, it is more attractive solutions, actually. Because, like, things like term limits and things like ethics rules, I think we should try those. But those are definitely going to be the people who are going to decide whether or not those are constitutional are the same justices whose power we're trying to check. Yeah,
1: isn't that interesting? It's almost yeah. like they're they're becoming the president of the country. Yes. And then people don't realize it, it is a bullying of the frog where you're slowly seeing your rights dissolved, whether it's privacy rights, first amendment rights, what now it's abortion and religion. You know what next? We were just watching Dr. Oz on TV, talk about how the only people who should be involved in the conversation of abortion should be your doctor, yourself, yeah. and local politicians. Yeah. That's who you Local politicians hear. are crazy. I mean, yeah. But uh, set Lauren Bobert and some of the extremists aside, uh, uh, who's the other gal who's kind of off the wall there? Marjorie Let's to Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene. Green. Set, set a few of those aside. Yeah. You know, there's some people in the Senate that regardless of what side you're on, they, they seem to have at least something going on. I don't know if you address in your book at all the age, too, of our politicians and the people that are on the court. It, it's almost, do you talk at, at all about maybe we need an age cap or a term limits on the court? Well, and so that, that's one of the that's one of the things why expanding, I think, is a
0: preferable solution, because mm-hmm. the the Constitution itself lays out how long justices get to serve. And the words are shall hold their offices during good behavior. And that's in the Constitution. So that's why we that's what that has been interpreted to mean a lifetime appointment. Whereas the Constitution does not set the number of justices. It says that Congress gets to do that. Oh. Uh, so there's, you know, for instance, right now there's a bill up the Judiciary Act, H.R. 2584, I believe it is, which changes the number of justices. It just changes in eight associate justices to 12 associate justices. It, wow. Like just changes the, the word eight to the word 12. That's it. And, and all you have to do is pass that law and then you've got it and then you confirm confirm the judges. Whereas trying to and there are some really creative, I will say this, really creative ways to try to get around the constitutional lifetime appointment. So, for instance, the people would still be on the court, but they'd have senior status or they would rotate off of active duty or there would be heavy incentives for them to retire or you would just keep adding people to the court. Every couple of years so that each president gets, you know, X number of appointments and that lessens the desire to capture any single appointment politically and also encourages retirement. More. So, I mean, there are creative ways to do it, but uh, you know. I think expansions is the easiest and simplest.
1: And this is is the way that fascists and authoritarians take rule, you know, whether it's Russia or Brazil or name any other country where there's been a rise. When you can get the court to rubber stamp whatever an authoritarian wants to do, they can seize power. You know, I mean, the, the court was one of the few things standing between Nixon when he, you know, when he tried to cite that he was, had control of his tapes and stuff. And thankfully for a lot of their rulings, they held up against a lot of what Trump was trying to do. But, you know, now where we've seen the court stacked, I mean, anything's up for whatever. I mean, it, it, they overturn Roe versus Wade as a president precedent, you know, what what else is next, you know? Well, and I mean, that that's, I think, a really
0: important question because there is no amount
1: of power or privilege that
0: is going to satisfy the crusaders. Wow. The, the, the end of row is just the beginning. Mm-hmm. The I mean, they're coming for contraception. They're coming yeah. for marriage equality. They're, they're coming, they're coming for everything. And yeah. uh, you know, Brown, with the, point, the Brown, the yeah. Brown
1: ruling, uh, I mean, the school ruling.
0: A lot of this really does begin with Brown versus Board of Education, whatever, yeah. which I get into in the book. But I think the key thing to do, and this, this is one of the, if, if only one thing happens from this book, I'd be happy with it, is that we have to unshackle our minds from the myth of the Supreme Court as a defender of the downtrodden, as this impartial arbiter of truth and justice. You know, the, you you mentioned, you know, the court checking Nixon, like... And the court had some really good years in there, like the Warren court. It gave us Brown versus Board of Education. It gave us Gideon versus Wainwright, which lets you have a or it says you have a right to an attorney if you're accused of a crime. Right. Yeah. But that that is the historical outlier for our Supreme Court. That the, his, really, the Supreme Court is a regressive conservative body. I mean, this is the court of Plessy versus Ferguson and separate as equal mm-hmm. of Dr- Dred Scott and fugitive slave laws of trying to suffocate the new deal in the cradle of gutting the power of the 14th amendment that was won with the blood of so many americans during the civil war I mean, wow. this is this is the court of japanese internment camps and of muslim bands and of billionaires and corporations and political gerrymandering and vote suppression and now as you said of, of abolishing abortion and reproductive freedom in the name of their narrow religious belief yeah. so we, we really do have to unshackle our minds from that myth because that myth is one thing that gives this crusade a lot of power
1: and, and there, there are GOP people who said the quiet part out loud, overturning Brown. I can't remember who said it, but they mentioned that. I think, the, I think someone even joked about overturning the Miranda rights. You know, this is, this is returning us to a Christian white nationalist sort of nation. I mean, these people want, these people want to drag us back to the fifties and, and the era of the era of, you know, huge racism. And what's the era I'm thinking of post, post Lincoln and, and the era where they enacted all the laws, the uh, Jim Crow laws. There we go. That's what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you're, and you're right. And I mean, this, this court, you know, this is so focused on originalism mm-hmm. and history and tradition. And it is because of exactly what you just identified. This, this court is focused on history and tradition because it wants to drag us back to a time when conservative white Christian men ruled and
1: everybody else was second class citizens. Yeah.
0: And why, one of the ways they're trying to do that is by weaponizing religious freedom. Truly, yeah.
1: Let me ask you this: one of my final questions for you. Great discussion so far. We've been going on for a while here, and and it's a it's a topic that deserves exposure. What do you think should happen to to Justice Thomas? This guy's clearly compromised. I mean, I don't think you'd be any more compromised than Clarence Thomas at this point, especially with his wife's involvement with January 6th, and and I mean, just some of the crazy stuff you've seen in text messages. Do we need to? What's what's the right word for this? To to, to impeach him to 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 claw him back? What way can yeah. Congress claw him back? And should he be clawed back?
0: Well, I mean, well, the only way, right? Justices retain their post during good mm-hmm. behavior. The oh. only way to get a justice off the Supreme Court is if they die, they voluntarily retire, or they are impeached. And and look, I mean, think about the political capital that the other side spent to put Gorsuch and Kavanaugh and Barrett on the court. I mean, think about what they expended to get Kavanaugh on the court over these credible accusations. And, and don't forget good Kavanaugh screaming that the Democrats were going to pay for what they did to him, you reap wow. the whirlwind. I mean, th- they, they spent everything they could to pack the courts. And, and then they, they protected, of all people, Trump when he was up for impeachment. The idea that they would not do incidentally more for the justices who they spent all this capital to give lifetime appointments to is ludicrous to me. I mean, so, you know, I I think that the best, the best solution is to immediately put in some binding ethics rules on the Supreme Court. Now there's, there is an open question on whether the court would accept those rules, whether the justices would, but it also ought to extend to their families. Yeah. That's a, that's a crucial part. Like John Roberts's wife is a legal recru- recru- recruiter she's this high-powered legal recruiter and like of course that gives her an entree into all manner of law firms and things like that in washington dc society amy coney barrett's husband is a lawyer in indiana and that law firm in indiana just happened to open a branch in dc all of a sudden and he's going to be helping run it and we're not sure what it what he's going to be doing like I mean, there needs to be not just transparency from the justices themselves radical transparency but also for the families and the other immediate people in their life who could benefit from them deciding these cases. And and I mean, I think Ginny Thomas and Clarence Thomas, and I do, I do get into, and it's even worse than I think people realize. And I get into that in both the book itself, American Crusade and the update. So I, I, I think we're in a little bit of a crisis when it
1: comes, comes to, to them. Definitely. And even like you mentioned, the attorneys and some of the some of the incestuous things with the attorneys and the law firms. We had David Enrich on with his book, Servants of the Damned, talking about Jones Day and some of these other law firms that have been really helpful to the conservative right. You know, there's a saber rally going on that we've talked about where there's the threat of violence and the talk of civil war. And, you know, I don't you know, I don't see. I don't see an official civil war going on because Americans are a little too busy with their radial tires and, you know, leave me with my lazy boy recliners and that whole pitch from Network, the movie from the 70s. Just uh, but, you know, there's a point where we need to go yell out our window. I'm sick and tired of all. We're not taking it. But, you, you know, it's almost and it's almost like this placating where where Biden and Democrats are going, should we force the. 13 people on the SCOTUS, or is that going to invoke violence? There is a time on the train that we're on that violence and taking violence is going to happen. We're already seeing assholes with guns hanging out and voting, voting mail-in ballot boxes and I think it's Arizona. We're seeing our men at the things we saw our men showing up at the thing at the 2020 hearing. There is a point where this breaks and somebody enough militias and people, you know, we saw January 6th where violence, you know, I had, I can't remember the radio host who came on the show, Tom Hartman. He's been on about five or six times now, but he came on after January 6th and he says, you know what? They called January 6th. And I go, what? And he goes a warm up and I about fell off my chair at a rehearsal. And so violence is going to come to us in spite of all the saber rallying that's going on. Well, maybe we shouldn't mess with Clarence Thomas. You know, the time to do is now and the time to vote is now. Yeah. And these, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And I have, a, I have a bad feeling. It looks like we might take the Senate. I don't know. The narrows, the numbers are getting narrower. And, and people just don't get it, man. They're just like, they're in this mode where, you know, everybody elects fascists because the trains run on time until they don't. <laughs> and then the corruption, yep. the greed, and and the graft, and it, it just just gets so overwhelming that eventually the trains don't run on time, and then everything goes to hell. And they try and moderate the economy, and then you end up with Venezuela, which is you know over you know people see countries like that and they go well you know they just got a bad guy no they had a series of bad guys that slowly tweaked and and the system so anyway i'm glad your book is exposing this and light to it one of the other final things i wanted to get in here on the amazon listing it mentions one of my favorite orators and debaters christopher hitchens yeah the book is a stand up for the shelf of fans of michelle alexander bob woodward and it also mentions our good friend kristen dumay who wrote the book jesus and john wayne She's been yeah. on the show a couple of times. And uh, do you ever hang out with Sam, our good friend, Sam Perry, I think it is, Sam? Yeah. 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 So, yeah
0: Sam Perry and Andrew Whitehead and a couple of other folks who I've worked really closely with and I consider friends helped me put together that report on Christian nationalism and the role that it played in the January 6th insurrection, which is, you know, when you started talking about violence, like that's immediately right. like. I've watched so many hours of footage for that, that report that we produced. And I helped spearhead along with, with Sam. Yeah. So Sam Perry's good friend, you know, we've been doing, a, he's doing a lot of the studying of Christian nationalism and exposing it. And I'm doing a lot of the fighting it on the front lines. So he and I chat on the regular.
1: That's awesome. He's brilliant. And, and you're brilliant too for coming and shining a light on this. And I, I'm just exactly. glad that there's a group of people that are in the religious segment that are, I don't think you're in the religious segment, I think. Right? I,
0: I'm, I'm an atheist, atheist like you're an
1: atheist. Yeah. But uh, I'm glad there's a lot of people inside that building too. calling it out and going, hey, you know, there's there's craziness going on. I think we've had yes. Sam on twice. We've had the guy from PR,
0: Robert um, Jones, PRI.
1: He's been on. Yeah. So yeah. I'm glad there's people in there going, hey, you know, yeah let's take this back. But sometimes it almost feels like they're just, they're just, what's her face from Wyoming. This, uh, the, uh, who was on the January 6th committee. They're like the Liz Cheney's and you're like, you're, you decided to call, you decided to call the ball way too late. And now you're trying to call it back and it may have been, may have gotten loose. I mean, well, you know, I think
0: when you're, when you're fighting fascism,
1: fascism and authoritarianism,
0: shared values, matter more than shared beliefs mm-hmm. and i mean that is i think one of the things that that we really have to focus on when we face an existential threat like like white christian nationalism which really is what we are facing right now and, and you know i mean it is that the entire goal of that movement is to give power and privilege to conservative white christians and make everybody else a second-class citizen and you know our, our country really is on fire our, our democracy isn't slipping away it's being stolen the, the republic is being strangled and and those of us who share values like equality and justice and truth and fairness must come together to stop the arsonist, the thief, the yeah. murderer, and, and that means fighting Christian nationalism. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I really do value those friendships that have come out of that.
1: Yeah. And people need to realize that when you vote, when you guys go to vote, you need to understand how important this is. I'm reading a lot of voters' attitudes where they're like, well, I'm more concerned about inflation. You know, like I said, the, the train's running on time. Uh, and my pocketbook well, maybe should we weren't worried about your freedom first because your freedom affects your pocketbook in the end. When the trains don't run on time, and, and even if you're not, you know, inflation is is not being caused by economic
0: policies, but by corporate greed, and the only party oh. that's taken that on are are not the Republicans. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I like to tell people that that voting is literally the least you can do. Yeah. You know, voting does not solve anything. It is not a magic bullet. It it gives us an opportunity. To fix things, so, you know, exactly. says that it's it's not magic, it's medicine. You have to do it. I've always liked that.
1: Yeah, I mean, and 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 you know, for me, people ask what political side I'm on these days. i I'm, I've moved from a liberal. You know, I I I, I was a George Bush guy Republican back before 2000, before 9-11, you know, I, I saw what he did and the religious effect that he had, the religion that the religious right had with him. And I left the, I left the party. I left the party cause I thought he was an idiot and I was tired of Dick Cheney running this country. Can you imagine what I saw as, as Trump? I'm like, I, I, I tell my Republican friends, I'm like, I left cause George Bush Jr. was an idiot or I thought he was an idiot. He looks actually pretty smart now. Um, Trump, you know, Trump was the best thing that ever happened to him. Yeah, kind of. Him and Nixon. Like, Nixon's like, yeah. hey, at least Nixon respected our Constitution and resigned. You know, he didn't even have to get impeached. You know, there was just the, the threat of it. But, no, it's it's crazy what's going on. And, and people need to realize, you know, I see this all the time on Facebook and, and TikTok and other place. especially after the row overturning, a lot of people with their hair on fire. And I'll put in the comments I'll put, like, hey, this is a great post of hating on men or blaming whoever you're blaming for this, but are you registered to vote this this coming election? And it's always crickets. Or it's like, no, it doesn't matter, you know, something like that. And it's like, hey, you know, you can make all the Facebook posts you want, but if you're not registered to vote, if you don't, I showed up and voted for Hillary. Okay, I didn't put us in this. Okay, everybody out their nose and was like, open oh, our emails and stuff. You're just like, hey, you got us here. You, you're the per- you're the person who got us here. So there's that. Well, anyway, can I just say too? Go ahead. Like,
0: as, a, as a constitutional attorney, like you know, I, I've I've spent a lot of time looking at voting rights and watching the Supreme Court also dismiss. You could write a, a book like American Crusade about voting rights, and yeah. it, I'm, it's been written. I mean, the other side is spending so much goddamn time trying to take away your right to vote. Yeah. If you let apathy do that for them,
1: I mean, you're just just giving the game away. Yeah. And we've given it away. That's how we got here. So Definitely. you need to fight. You need to fight. You know, we we saw what happened in 2020. I mean, the game they were playing. Even the the day guy, what's his name, who was running the U, United U, U.S. Postal Service. The federal judges have finally ruled against him and and put some constraints on him. Why he's still in that position, I have no idea. But you know, everything they did. I mean, between Kemp kind of sliding the Georgia governor's election with the games he played with the with the voting booths and mm-hmm. and stuff, you know. It was crazy.
0: Do you you remember that Paul Weyrich Weyrich quote? No, no, I don't. So, you know, I mean, for people who don't know, Paul Weyrich was, he gave the moral majority its name. You know, he founded it with Jerry Falwell. He's the, they chose abortion as the wedge issue for American politics. He founded ALEC, he founded the Heritage Foundation, and he he gave this speech in, I think it was 1980 to this this huge gathering of preachers. You know, Phyllis Schlafly was there, Tim LaHaye, Pat Robertson, Jerry Falwell, and Ronald Reagan. And uh-huh. Weirich says, I don't want everyone to vote. Elections are not won by a majority of people. They never have been from the beginning of our country, and they are not now. As a matter of fact, our leverage in elections quite tangibly goes up as the voting population goes down. And the, the
1: hour in that infamous quote was Christians. Wow. And, I mean, that's what they did during the Jim Crow era. They didn't mm-hmm. want everybody yeah. voting. We didn't really yeah. become a democracy until black people got the right to vote. And you know, up until then, we were pretty much, you know, I mean, I mean even the Constitution was written for landholders and men. Yeah. So, yeah. you no, know, they kind of threw something in there, like you know, we should probably be have equal rights for everybody, but we'll run with this for now. But no, it's it's people need to realize their rights are dissolving under SCOTUS, and this 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 thing doesn't, and it's not enough just to be like, oh, those guys suck. And making posts on facebook anyway thank you very much for coming on the show Andrew. we really appreciate it give us your plugs at dot com so people can find you on the interwebs
0: yeah it was my pleasure we could have gone for another hour with you i know we
1: could go for hours
0: this. <laughs> so yeah i'm andrew l seidel everywhere that's andy r-e-w-l-s-e-i-d-e-l that's my handle on all the socials that's my dot com i work for americans united for separation of church and state au.org And I'll say this, if you want a signed copy of American Crusade, which I think makes a fantastic gift, especially for the the liberal in your life, or even the conservative who wants to learn something, if you go to bit.ly slash signed AC, S-I-G-N-E-D-A-C, like signed American Crusade, you can get a copy. I've partnered with a local bookstore here in Madison, Wisconsin. And every week I go in and sign a bunch of books and I can personalize it too, if you leave a note during the checkout. So it's a great, great way to Give somebody a gift in the, for the upcoming holidays. There you go, and and the upcoming
1: election too. Pass yeah. out the book, pass out the data, share. You know, give the book to a bunch of friends. People need to realize, you know what what's really going on in the long game, mm-hmm. and even like you, what well, you talked about earlier, it's going to take longer to fix this thing. Oh yeah, you know, I don't, is there anybody up in the next two years of Biden's presidency if we won the Senate that we could? Is there any? Uh, availability is coming up with not not that we know of
0: um no. i but unless we can expand the court which i mean i i, I think we, we desperately need to do that's the surest way to stop the bleeding but again you know it takes
1: it takes a senate majority and a house majority to do that does it take the house too oh yeah because it would be a law, yeah, that's that's right. the law. Yeah. but the even even scotus appointments can just be done in the senate right Correct. So once you get, once you pass the law, then the appointments are just Senate and President. And I keep telling it to people. I'm like, we have to have a majority in the Senate or else you're not going to get new justices. So you're going to be stuck with what you got there.
0: You're not going to get new judges, period. Right. I mean, like we, we talk about the Supreme Court, but like McConnell didn't just block Obama's nomination of Merrick Garland, but every other federal judge. I think I think Obama got one federal judge through in the last two years of his his term and then all of those justices were filled or all of those judgeships were filled by
1: trump which is why like between a quarter and a third of the federal judiciary are trump judges Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a post. There's a picture I keep posting. It's of Chris Farley doing his SNL bit of down by the river, the motivational speaker guy where he screams at the kids, you know, (laughs) and uh, there's a picture of him Photoshop next to Merrick Garland, like arrest somebody already. (laughs) And, you know, it's really important that he upholds the, the law of the land that no one is above the law yeah, let's charge a president, or an ex-president, I should say, uh, or somebody thinks he's president. Maybe that's the joke. But, uh, no, man. I mean, it, it's going to be interesting. You know, what? what it, it's always the smoking gun. It's the lie that catches you. And it, something as stupid as him keeping classified documents in fluid. yeah, Yeah. If that's the one thing to get. Exactly. I don't care what gets him. You know, it's the same exactly. thing with O.J. And, you know, he gets away with murder, but then some bullshit he pulls in my city of Las Vegas, sends him away for 10 years. I don't care what gets you, but hopefully something goes down with that but yeah i don't i don't think the i don't think the the i think even just offsetting scotus for 13 people is gonna it's gonna cause problems and the religious rights is gonna get go more crazy but more and more using books like yours we need to identify who the problem is in the room and go it's those guys over there cuz i get yeah. i get tired of the Roe versus wade thing where going men are bad men are stupid and i'm like you don't understand all those men legislatures got conservative wives (laughs) like clarence thomas's wife and you know if people pick up the book and read
0: it and come away thinking like we 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 definitely need to expand the supreme court like that's the solution i'd be
1: i'd be thrilled i don't copy the biden yeah (laughs) there you go you've got me sold on i was kind of on the fence like i don't know man but you've got me sold on it now so you converted me Great. Anyway, thanks for coming on, Andrew. We really appreciate it. Great My pleasure. Thank there you. There you go. Guys, go pick up the book. Give it to your friends, family, and relatives. Get people registered to vote. If you really want to change what the Supreme Court's doing, you need to realize it the long game and all that good stuff. Available September 27th, 2022, for those of you watching this 10 years from now. American Crusade. Hopefully it's a democracy by then or that, or else you'll be in that final scene of Planet of the Apes where Charles Heston comes up on and says, Damn it! You idiots. American Crusade. How the Supreme Court is weaponizing religious freedom. Order up wherever fine books are sold. Thanks, my audience, for tuning in. Go to Goodreads.com, Fortune's Chris Voss. All our groups is an activity on LinkedIn. Go to YouTube.com, Chess Chris Foss and see our new stuff on over there on TikTok. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time. Man, that hour through by fast.